Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Hemp Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Andy, it's hard to believe we've been having weekly conversations about movies since 2011. Oh, you're telling me. Producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. The Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals has links to purchase the source material behind our adapted film discussions. Your purchases there help support the show at no extra cost. For the entirety of Season 11, we featured films directed by women. The only exceptions were some of our member bonus episodes. We talked about the lure for our horror debuts series, which is a very loose adaptation of The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. Definitely miles from the Disney versions. <laughs> for our 10-year anniversary series, we covered We Need to Talk About Kevin, taken from the Lionel Shriver novel. Man, that was brilliant. And horrifying. Yeah. The Journalist series included Merrily We Go to Hell and The Weight of Water, adapted from Anita Shreve's bestseller. We filled some gaps in previous series with member bonus episodes on adaptations like Malcolm X, Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House, Cactus Flower, Wild at Heart, Life Force, and The Blues Brothers. Our John Hurd series looked at a trio of adaptations, Chilly Scenes of Winter from the novel by Ann Beatty, Awakenings based on Oliver Sacks' nonfiction book, and Rambling Rose adapted from the Calder Willingham novel. Two films in our coming-of-age debut series were adapted from books, The Virgin Suicides from Jeffrey Eugenides and The Diary of a Teenage Girl, Phoebe Gluckner's graphic novel. We had Queen of Cotway for our sports series based on Tim Crothers' nonfiction book. And Clueless kicked off our 90s comedy series loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma. It totally took place in the 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals. Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the next reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Girl fight is over. You got the endurance of a corpse. You in trouble again? This is your fourth fight this semester. You look like a loser in there. You might want to find someone who can help you deal with this. I want to train with you. I want to be a boxer. Wait out aerobics. Am I talking to you? There's plenty of things you could do better with your life than box. Prove it.
Girl Fight, Andy. We're talking about Girl Fight. Girl Fight, Karen Kusama's 2000 film debut, starring Michelle Rodriguez. Also, her debut. This is uh, the second film in our sports series that we're doing, second of four films. And, uh, you know, uh, this movie, when we were putting this series together, this just seemed like a fantastic film. You know, between this and Love and Basketball, we're like, oh, sports, we should totally do a sports series plus the next two. It just it made sense. And, uh, you know, I think uh, this definitely holds true. I'm not a fan of boxing, but I sure love a good boxing movie. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Million Dollar Baby. We've talked about the whole Rocky and Creed franchise. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of good stuff in the world of um, boxing films. And uh, this was uh, this was a good film to uh, add to our list. And interestingly, I suppose you could also say it does kind of fit into coming of age debuts, just like Love and Basketball did. Isn't that funny? Coming of age debuts becomes the longest uh, unintentional series we do. You know, it's one of those things. I was thinking back through like so many films that we've covered on the show. I'm like, so many things are really you could look at as a coming of age film. You know, it's it's that it's that turning point of a young person to kind of crossing over into adulthood. And I think that it comes in all shapes and sizes. Yes. And so here we are with Girl Fright. This is uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, I think was we neither of us had seen the movie. Right. That That's. Did you say that already? Am I not tracking? Uh, no, I I didn't, but I hadn't. Yeah. This was definitely a film that I knew about. I remember the buzz when it played at Sundance uh, for the film for Kusama and for Rodriguez. Like, they were all talked about as like, oh, somebody, something to watch, something to check out. Yeah. This film, it, I mean, it had its release and everything. It did well enough for itself, but... It has weirdly become very difficult to track down, and that's very frustrating. Um, we ended up finding Scarecrow Video. It's a it's a one of the last remaining big video stores in the country, and they have a copy of it. And they have recently started a rent by mail program, and so we rented the DVD from them. Um, and so it was a great way to get, get this. And we certainly recommend anyone who's looking for some older stuff that's not on streaming for whatever reason. It's just very difficult to find. Like Netflix doesn't have DVDs of this. My local library didn't have a DVD of this. Like it just is nowhere and it's very frustrating. So definitely check out, uh, Scarecrow videos, rent by mail program, uh, set up an account and, uh, you can start renting some of those hard to find movies, including this one. We'll put the links to it in the show notes. I think it, it is absolutely worth seeing for so many reasons, and I can't wait to tell you the reasons that it's not. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, when this movie was released, it was rated R for language. And it has boxing violence. Uh, you know, there's a there's a fairly intense scene with uh, family, but mostly it's rated R purely for language. Want to watch this movie and help us out? Well, you can't with this one unless you check out Scarecrow Video like I just talked about. But if you do see an Apple or Amazon link in any show notes for any of our other shows, click on it. It'll take you right to the site. You can rent or buy the movie. When you do this, we get a little piece in return. It is a win-win for all of us, except for Karen Kusama and Girl Fight. <laughs> except for Karen Kusama. Right. Uh, and you can also check out our merch store, truestory.fm slash TNR merch. You know, uh, sometimes we get inspired to put new shirts on the show. Like, uh, I'm in the bag for Borg. There you go. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out the, the latest obscure hit, We Sense What's Eels. That's <laughs> up there now. If you're a Severance fan, you probably <laughs> don't remember that line either. <laughs> but I think it's funny. We said well, plus there's the Trejo shirt, right? Yeah, there's the Trejo. Tre if you want the happiest Danny Trejo holding a Chihuahua, <laughs> we call it Trejoy. You can put that on your bod. Uh, you know, getting a little bit more obscure as we go. So we'll get back to the movies. I promise we will. But when inspiration strikes, y'all, you got to just act. TrueStory.fm slash TNR merch. 
Speaking of when inspiration strikes, we would love uh, for you to be inspired to send some of your thoughts about the movies we're talking about. Uh, send an audio file to reviews at truestory.fm. Once you watch the movie, you might, might just get showcased on the show. We do record about two weeks in advance, so you want to watch the movie, get that recorded and sent over to us in time so we can include it. Again, send it to reviews at truestory.fm. And if you're wondering where you can see what movies we're talking about in the coming weeks and for the rest of the season, for that matter, you can find our entire series rundown on our Letterboxd HQ page. While you're there, sign up for a pro or patron membership to Letterboxd with the discount code NEXTREEL or just visit thenextreel.com slash Letterboxd and they'll chop off 20% for you. And this works for renewals as well. If you love the best social media platform for movie lovers, Letterboxd, you'll love this discount. We also have our own membership for The Next Reel and all of our podcasts. You can go to our website. We have a button right there. You can uh, click on it, and it will take you to the page. Well, we have membership options at month-to-month or at an annual rate. You can get all sorts of bonus episodes. Uh, we get we have early release to all of our episodes. We have bonus episodes, a monthly member bonus. Uh, we have our poll up for our May member bonus episode running right now in our Discord community. It'll probably be decided and locked by the time this episode goes out. But every month we have another movie we, we talk about. We do a flick chart re-ranking episode for our members, and we do a retake episode at the end of each series. So in a couple weeks, you can look forward to the sports retake episode as we talk about this whole series. Just go to truestory.fm slash TNR membership. You can learn more about the tiers. Most it'll cost you is $5 a month or $55 per year. How good is Michelle Rodriguez in this movie? It's it's very clear watching this movie how she um, broke out because she is mesmerizing to watch. And you can see why at Sundance, people are like, check, keep your eyes out for this person. She's going to make waves. And, uh, you know, it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was such a force of nature just watching her in this film and i mean i'll say she generally like comes across as like carrying a lot of anger (laughs) in in so many roles that she plays and this is certainly one of them but you can see why she does it because uh and why she's probably offered those parts because she really carries that well and i mean you see pictures of her and she's just happy and smiling and she's just so positive and everything but then you see her in these roles and you like buy into this like the opening moments of this film establish her so intensely perfect i mean it's just perfect the way that kusama crafted it where you're in the high school hallway and you just see people crossing and she's just standing with her back up against the lockers head like her eyes down and you cut and you keep cutting closer and then all of a sudden you're up on her face and then she just lifts her eyes and looks right into the camera and it's just like damn yeah like she just is intense and uh, i mean it's clear like right from that opening character establishing moment you you know you're in good hands with her as a performer yeah, I, I will say they do this, th- that opening sequence, they really lean hard in that iconic look in this movie. They, they return to that, that like presentation of her character where she's, her head is down, her eyes are up, uh, many times. Was it many times or was it just one more time? Cause I know they do it when, then when she's first time in the ring. She do it when she's in the ring. They do it when she's they. There are I clocked like four. I think um, where she's like where she's head down, eyes up, and it wasn't. They didn't hold on it like they do in the beginning or in the ring. But you can tell she really likes that, and it felt it started feeling a little bit repetitive. It is iconic, and she's great. It makes her look sort of tough and almost sort of predatory, and I I love it. But it got to the point where all I could focus on was the whites of her eyes. (laughs) But the other thing that I think about this movie is that I, I, she is such a a power hitter in this movie for sure, right? She's great. And, you know, I struggle a little bit with it because it definitely put her in this, um, you know, a a little bit typecast, tough girl kind of, um, you know, military thing, right? And looking at her catalog, there are very few movies where she wasn't playing this kind of like buff, butch, tough girl 
um, character. Uh, and I think that's too bad. In fact, I mean, since Blue Crush, like, I, there are very few uh, where she was, um, uh, where she wasn't playing that char- character of, uh, and I haven't seen a lot, but even like you look at Furious, the Fast and Furious movies, it wasn't until the, the later Fury, Fast and the Furious movies that she's playing um, even a, a little bit of a softer character. Um, I just feel like she has so much more range than she has been given. Well, she has uh, definitely found a niche with like this sort of work. Um, like uh, to your point, there's not a lot of stepping out to other types of films, and if there if there are those moments, oftentimes it's you know films that probably got lost because maybe they weren't very good. Something like inappropriate comedy, you know, the, yeah. the film yeah. that she did in 2013 that is a 2.7 on IMDb. You know, something that clearly just did not work well for any of the people involved. So, I mean, yeah, and and I think it really, this does end up setting very much a trajectory for her career and the types of films that she's going to do. But, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that that hasn't been a good thing for her when she's made a huge career with the Fast and Furious films. Um, you know, she's popped up in other big franchises like the Resident Evil franchise. They, um, I don't, uh, the, I guess you could say the Machete franchise. They have done two of those. Yeah, they've done two of those. Um, you know, you know, Alita Battle Angel, she, I know she ended up uh, uncredited in, but that was one that theoretically, if they ever do more of that, she did end up in that. Dungeons and Dragons, you already pointed out. Um, so, I mean, she's, she's in some fairly big things and, um, you know, widows is probably one of the higher rated things that she ended up, uh, ended up, um, doing that for whatever reason, just never found its audience. But I mean, she's, um, somebody that I would love to see, uh, offer a wider range of things. But then again, like maybe she is getting offered these things and she's like, this is what she loves to do. So, I mean, you know, I'm not in her head. I don't know what, what stuff she's really interested in doing. Yeah. I do know though, that I really enjoy seeing her in these things. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, She's, she's great. So I, I, I love her performance in it. Uh, the movie overall, what's your, what's your position on the movie overall? I I found myself really enjoying this uh this drama this character this 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 woman uh this high school girl who's struggling trying to f- find her place right she's lashing out in school because she you know is not getting any support at home i mean it's a it's a very a uh, very frustrating home life for her, and the the scene, um, the last scene where that you have between her and her dad when she beats him up, it's just like, oh man, there's there is some serious damage going on in that relationship, and it's very hurtful and painful to kind of see her struggling, trying to figure out how to get anything for her out of her dad. And it was very, very sad and it hurt. And seeing her latch onto um, her coach, um, Hector, you could see finding that was helpful. Finding boxing was helpful. Finding an outlet is really what she needed. And we never go back to it in school. I was kind of hoping at some point that would kind of circle back as an element. It never does. But we see that she's, she's acting out in school. She's, she beats up this girl early in the film. And has to go to detention, and all the stuff is on the line of getting expelled. It never circles back. That is something I would have liked to see. You know how how this world of boxing potentially helped her, so she could get through the rest of school. And to that end, I mean, there was an element where the movie it it kind of leaves that behind. It ends up focusing a lot more of its attention on the nature of men versus women in the boxing arena and this idea of um, non-gendered boxing matches. And the story really ends up tying into her falling for this guy who's also a boxer, and then they end up having to compete. And so I liked the way that all of that was shaped. Um, There were some elements of the story that I, I, I feel could have tied together a little more for some more cohesion. But on the whole... I did really enjoy uh, her story and the way it unfolded. 
Yeah, I think that's that gets into what my challenges with the movie is that, you know, I, I didn't feel like it consistently knew the direction that it it was taking me. And, um, you know, it, I, I didn't know if I if I should vest my interest more in their relationship, the the gender roles in the sport or if, if it's, um, you know, the gender role in their relationship or if it is, you know, the the actual institution of boxing changing around them, um, you know, at, at times each of those threads felt anemic to me, like they were missing, um, you know, power in telling the story it wanted to tell, and then it would swing back the other way, and suddenly I'm I'm in, you know, a different story. So I I did feel a little bit confused about what what story they wanted me to tell from the the sort of halfway point on, what they wanted to tell me. Um, so I, I struggle a little bit with that, and I struggle a little bit with the 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 writing of the emotional elements of the movie. I felt like the the script was largely uh, specifically talking about their relationship, talking about her and, and Adrian, uh, was overwritten. So many opportunities to to put the the actors in these positions together and let their let them perform and not you know tell me all of the the you know things that the things that they were trying to get to convey i felt like they told me too much um uh, you know their heart to heart conversations were overwritten and and uh, i didn't i don't think let either of them perform to their best because they were too busy telling me what i need to think so i i think the movie actually uh, actually made itself less complex and interesting by being overwritten and and that to me felt like maybe it's just a first time filmmaker or a first time screenwriter not feeling as confident in the story she was she was telling first time it just it didn't it didn't that that i think is probably it it didn't feel confident to me uh overall i think there's a a challenge in there because it's one of the first films that really kind of took on women in the boxing world right. um which i mean it it had it, it it is a thing, but there just hadn't been many films about it, it to the point where this I mean, they really address it. And it can, I mean, you know, right on the heels of love and basketball, you kind of get that in that film, too. And, you know, over the course of that film, by the time we get to the end, now the WNBA exists and uh, Monica's playing for them. And so we actually see that evolution in the film. In Girl Fight, it's not like there had been anything, but you do see them kind of lowering the um the regulations and allowing for some of these non-gendered fights to take place, which is is kind of where we go. And so I think that there's an element of the film where Kusama is really wanting to tell this story. And I, I don't know if we said, but I mean, it's written and directed. She, she also wrote this uh, film um, after she uh, started boxing. Like she, she had taken up boxing and wanted to uh, kind of tell a story um, about it. And uh, so I think that there's an element of telling the story about a woman who wants to box in a, in a, what's largely a man's world right and there are some women boxing matches that are happening we do see uh we do see um diana uh, a few times but but it builds to our big climactic fight is when she does this um battle in the ring uh, against her boyfriend adrian right because of that the way that i feel like that is structured i feel like Kusama wanted to kind of create that extra conflict of having this relationship happening between Diana and Adrian that builds just like their relationship, like their relationship is coming to a head as the boxing match is coming to a head and, and everything. And I, I just kind of felt like it was, um, I, I guess it works for me, but it, it definitely felt a little bit like we're we're putting all these pieces into place to create more tension like i could feel it a little bit more yeah yeah it felt it i guess i guess that's another way to to look at it you know that that it is um i don't know if i i want to say it's like trying a little bit too hard um but I, I do feel like it is like there are so many opportunities for this movie to let what's on screen just scream the intensity if you just let the actors shut up 
for a second. Uh, and, and particularly Doug Santiago and Michelle Rodriguez. I think they, they're just really good. And I, I think, uh, uh, you know, Santiago is Adrian. I think he's a, he's a real sort of slow burn kind of guy. And I, I, I enjoyed, um, the transformation of him from the, you know, weird hallway, uh, bully to, um, you know, romantic interest. And it, it peaks when they are doing their sparring together. And she's like, I'm not going to fight him if he's not going to fight. And, and turns to her, you know, they go into a hold and says, I love you. You know, I, I really love you. That was awesome. Like, I thought that whole dance was fantastic. Um, so, um, you know, there were, there were just some real high points in this movie. And, um, you know, but, but yeah, to your point, like it, it, there's, it starts to feel a touch manufactured. Like it's not, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't quite let me get to, um, feeling the way it wants me to feel by the end. Like we have, we've achieved some sort of triumph in women in sport or that there's, there's some, and, and maybe that's it. Like maybe there is no triumph in women in sport in 2000. Like maybe that wasn't the point, but it, the movie set me up to think that's the point and then didn't pay that off. I mean, I think there's a couple things. One, part of the um, the challenge Kusama had in, get, in making this film was finding, uh, you know, actors who could box or box, boxers who could act and, and, you know, figuring that line out because Michelle Rodriguez, you know, had never boxed before. She was coming into this um learning how to kind of do this sort of stuff but she also this is her first film other than you know some some unspeaking kind of bit parts and things like that and so um likewise uh Douglas Santiago I think you know is more of a a boxer than uh than anything and I think um is one of those people who I mean has has definitely kind of kept acting in stuff but I think started out um with boxing at least that's my understanding so crafting a script that that has kind of this these the the meat cute essentially is what we're kind of going through here um in in on top of the boxing story i think there's a little bit of that that um you know it 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 makes it a little bit more of i i'm torn like do i feel like it's taking away from the film and the journey that she's taking as a boxer to have also this love story where it ends up leading to the climactic battle in the ring, you know, like is, is, does she not, does her story as a boxer clash with her story as the, the girlfriend of this other boxer and they have to fight in the ring? Like I I'm, I'm torn if that ends up making it too complicated or if it, if there's a way that it works for me. Well, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm, I think that's the complexity of it. And, and, and it's not as though I'm, I'm upset that the movie doesn't, doesn't give me the, the big feels of, uh, of, of the, the, the big win at the end or the great, you know, sadness at the end. It's that I end up not feeling anything. Huh. And, that that's that I guess is more of my uh, of my challenge is that I I just am not I'm I'm less moved at the end of the movie than I am by the overall experience watching her. This movie feels like Lavion Rose for me that it is um such a great triumph for her. I like her so much in it and the movie overall is mm, uh. Well, I I I liked it more than you did for sure. I mean, I I I found myself moved by the ending. And and this is why I'm torn because it's like by the end it's like she she wins in the ring she beats Adrian and I mean I I found it to be enjoyable I really enjoyed the way that played out but then at the end we do have um you know the whole thing about is this the fact that he's going to not just lose but lose to a girl in this particular era um could potentially ruins any chances he has to go anywhere after after the fact you know yeah um and so she she beats him and so she's worried they're both worried at the end that and they're they're 
relationships kind of on the rocks. And he's afraid that he lost her respect. But she says, I respect you even more because you fought me. And they they kind of come back together. And that's kind of the end of the film. Like, okay, there's there's hope for them still. You know, I don't know. I, I and that's where I feel like I, I like that there's that relationship there. It just it, it it I don't know. It makes it a little more complicated because they were also the the two who were in the bout at the end. And I, I'm wondering, like, am I getting lost in the boxing story of her succeeding in the ring as a boxer because we end up celebrating the love story and the way that they come together? I'm I don't know. I'm torn on that. I still really liked the movie. Like, I I found it to be. Uh, Really well put together. I love the way Kusama crafted it. And I was I was emotionally attached to these characters through to the end. So I think in that respect, I did enjoy it more than you. But I it, it is it does get a little muddled in there. Uh how'd you like how'd you like Jamie Torelli as uh, her coach? I loved him. He was just always, always fantastic. Uh as Hector the coach. He does a great job as the coach right out of the gate. Uh, you know, they're always these gruff characters and he's perfect in it. And he's a great father surrogate figure for her. You know, when she comes over to his place after having moved out of her house because of the major, major fight she had with her dad. I really buy that there's this connection between the two of them. And he really is wanting to help her figure out how to succeed in life. Like, I, I just thought he was fantastic. It, every scene. Well, and I think that his his role here as the sort of, you know, uh, surrogate father figure for her, because her relationship is so bad with her dad, uh, I, I think is really, it, it becomes, it becomes special, right? It's, it, it's a, a great, transformation when he goes from, you know, I don't work for free to, you know, she's got to fight like he becomes an advocate for her because, uh, you know, she's she proves herself and she she does the right stuff. They build a really, I think, a nice, authentic connection. And he is such a charismatic guy. Like, I really enjoy him as a as a performer um, and uh, uh, neat kind of experience. I liked the the whole tone and tenor of the the uh, gym uh, sort of set by him, but with all those old guys, especially the the guy who runs who runs the place, the books. I can't remember his name. Who uh, struggles walking? The old and, guy. Yeah, he's 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 rough. It, it it felt like all these people were authentic from the boxing world. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like there there's a line where I lose. Like yeah. how many of these people are actual boxers and people working in the boxing? And how many world? of these people did they just not kick out of the gym before they set up their cameras? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it felt it felt really gritty and, and authentic to me. So I that that worked. Um, yeah. So the family relationship, um, you know, you already set it up. Dad, her relationship with dad isn't good. She wants to box. He thinks he's wants his um, dandy of a son to, to box while he wants to go uh, <laughs> draw. And um, and and I mean that with the greatest respect. <laughs> Go, go draw, man. Go draw. Yeah, that's Doug, uh, Paul Calderon as dad and Ray Santiago as the son. Uh, Paul Calderon is just one of those faces that, uh, I don't know, you just see him and I just, I, he's always a presence that's worth noting. And it's interesting, like, it's such an interesting setup that we have with the story here. Because it's like, there's clearly stuff that he's having uh, his daughter do that i'm like you know what are what are they what is she doing runs for like i'm not ever quite sure exactly what's going on there um but that is what introduces him to the world or introduces her to hector and the world of of his boxing uh place so yeah um but dad yeah he's he plays a great unsavory character in this film who just doesn't care about his daughter like he's interested in making his son be a man and completely disinterested in the daughter and the mom had i can't remember she died when she was very very young right yeah and and i i found that that it all builds up to this conflict between her and dad uh in, in a way that i found enormously satisfying um when they get physical with one another and she gets to to demonstrate her prowess as as a boxer and beats the crap out of him um she does end up sitting astride him strangling him on the floor and uh, that was a, an intense sequence, and uh, I, I found really paid off the the level of intensity and the the conflict in their relationship. 
throughout the first, you know, two thirds of the movie, uh, I, I really uh, liked it. I mean, I just, it, it felt rewarding. That felt like a rewarding, satisfying uh, peak uh, to their relationship. It was tough. And and Ray Santiago is, as her brother, who, I mean, he's great as kind of that, that scrawny, uh, little brother who is more interested in art than in boxing. <laughs> you know, he, he plays that so well. I, I love seeing him in the role. He's, and this is also, he got his start here, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's been in all sorts of TV, other movies and stuff. I, I think the longest thing that he's done is his run on Ash versus the Evil Dead. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, it was just kind of fun to see him, uh, in this as well. Uh, anybody else that sticks out for you as a high point? I, Largely just really enjoyed the cast. I think they all felt real. And again, speaking to the fact that there's a line that, you know, blurred between acting and boxing, and you just can't ever quite tell, is this person an actor who's here or is this an, a boxer who's acting? Like, I couldn't tell. Like, they just all felt authentic in this kind of Brooklyn boxing world that we're in here. Yeah. The thing about Karen Kusama that I find interesting is I wasn't really tracking Karen Kusama. And it turns out I've seen a lot of Karen Kusama stuff. Right. In fact, this was one of the few Karen Kusama uh, directed films that I hadn't seen. And I've also seen a whole bunch of her television work. So I thought that was really satisfying to kind of fill in this little blank. She did immediately, well, not quite so immediately, five years later, follow Girl Fight Up with Aeon Flux oh, yeah. with Charlize Theron, which feels, I think you could say, very different than girl fight well i mean there's definitely uh female protagonists uh kicking butt and so to that extent there is Mm -hmm. an element where i can see why uh they would have said you know what that would be an interesting fit let's do that and i can see why charlize theron uh coming off of monster would say this this sounds like a perfect fit so uh yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting fit i loved the young flux animated uh bits from liquid television yeah and um you know the movie never quite never quite gave me what i wanted uh from that but you know it was all right and jennifer's body she followed that up four years later with jennifer's body uh diablo cody penned uh megan fox vehicle that's been getting a lot of late buzz because it's one of the films that was on Letterboxd. You know, they had that list of movies that have shifted the most in ranking from when they were, you know, when Letterboxd started to now, like over the last decade of improving on its ratings scale. Cause Jennifer, Jennifer's body largely kind of was, was trashed when it came out, but people have been going back and looking at it and finding, you know what, there's a lot more here than, than we gave it credit for initially. And so it's, that's the one of her films that I still have yet to see. And I'm definitely curious about it because of that, um, popularity and that increased buzz uh, drawn by Letterboxd. Have you seen it? I've seen uh, Jennifer's Body. I haven't seen the the unrated cut, but I, I like it more than it's 5.4 on IMDb would, uh, <laughs> would indicate. I, I think, I mean, for, I think I, I don't even know if it's logged, but I think I put it at a solid three star. Uh, I had fun with it. It's at three and a half over on Letterboxd. So that's that's a seven out of 10 for you. Okay. If you're uh, re- using that to, for your IMDb scale. So that's about right. But the but uh, literally on IMDb, it's a 5.4. That's because IMDb people are not as cool as Letterboxd people. <laughs> Well, that's true. I mean, that's settled science. That's settled science. Um, so, but then she went on and, and started doing a lot of, of television. Uh, the, you know, she did an episode of Chicago Fire, Casual, uh, Masters of Sex, uh, lauded um, um, show there. That was a great show. Man in the High Castle. Uh, she did a couple of episodes of that. Seen those. Billions. A uh, couple of episodes of that. Seen those. Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, Destroyer. Came back to Destroyer, um, a, which... Uh, are you, did you like Destroyer? Uh, I, I wasn't as much a fan of Destroyer, but I love The Invitation. And I'm not sure if you mentioned that one, but I think that's like just top-notch horror uh, filmmaking. Like I, I thought Kusama was fantastic with that and the story was great. So that's definitely one that is highly worth checking out. I think that was Phil Hay and uh, Matt Manfredi. And I think, did they do... What did, did they do something, the, the Destroyer 2? Yeah, it was them behind Destroyer 2. Andy on um, Flux. Andy on Flux, yeah. 
So I haven't seen The Invitation, but I have seen Destroyer. And uh, so, um, yeah, I I also like that very much. Yeah, she also worked some on the um, the Stephen King adaptation, The Outsider, um, one of the episodes there. So, I mean, she's done all sorts of stuff. Like, I, Kusama is uh, a director that's definitely worth uh, tracking and, and, and following along with because I think she has a really interesting handle on character and, and crafting some pretty, pretty interesting stories. Uh, she's actually working on um, the Dead Ringers uh, TV show right now, which, you know, we're, uh, you know, yeah. big fans of that from our Cronenberg series when we did that. And I'm really curious to see what that is going to be you know like uh rachel vice uh in that one yeah as the um as the mantle twins so kind of switching things around i i'm very curious so um yeah exciting stuff the mantle twins it, what i wonder what kind of a doctor she's going to be um is she not a gynecologist well if they're gonna flip everything doesn't she have to be into you know penile mutilation well, not necessarily she's it says she's on a mission to change the way women birth <laughs> okay good all right well that's it we're, we're going back to some challenging territory with dead ringers no and, and you know the other thing that i i really enjoyed about this is just seeing how kusama chose to direct it like it was a very confrontational film she wasn't afraid of um like we already talked about michelle rodriguez looking directly into the lens which we see a number of times there were some fantastic decisions like in the boxing scenes and she worked on this with her dp patrick katie uh to get these fantastic povs during the boxing matches and and i guess katie was wearing a rig that allowed him and or the camera to get hit by the boxers which created those cool pov shots as as you're getting punched and then they would insert those little white flashes and everything like yeah i just i i thought all of that was just uh, a great way to kind of shake up the you know the the way that these fights were portrayed uh, very effective i thought so too it was it was more intimate um portrayal of these um you know the boxing sequences like you you do have like it, it's not as gritty i think and and brutal as some other boxing movies we've seen, but I don't think it needed to be because you got such an energetic camera because they did those, they did those punch tricks that actually make it feel like we're getting just slammed, uh, from time to time. I thought that was really, uh, invigorating, uh, movement by the camera. Um, Patrick Katie, um, do you have a sense for that, that Patrick Katie style? Um, I haven't seen a lot of, uh, what Katie has done, but he's uh, directed Interrogation, that new Paramount Plus uh, show that came out last year. Is it two years ago now? That I has been on my list for a long time. Um, and he's been the camera behind Bosch, which gets a lot of uh, positive uh, reviews. I, I, uh, you know, the TV stuff, I, I probably have not seen any of the, the TV stuff he's done. So I, I can't speak to his look. I think the only other thing I've seen is Sunshine State, um, uh, the John Sayles film that he did a couple years after this, obviously having met John Sayles on this film. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's really it. So I, I couldn't speak to his look. But again, I just, I, I thought that, uh, Patrick caught just the real world, uh, along with the production design, everything really felt very authentic in this in this world, you know, that we're in here. Well, he was camera behind Steve Miner's Day of the Dead, Andy. I didn't see that version. Yeah, that's an that's another thing I haven't seen either. Yeah, I feel like I need to add that to the list. It's a it's a solid four point five. <laughs> that's not great. Uh, you know, speaking of John Sayles, you know, the, this film, it was interesting the way that it ended up getting made because, um, you know, I said Kusama um, wanted to make a boxing story after she started boxing herself in the early 90s. She wrote the script, but she couldn't find anyone to finance it um, because for whatever reason they you know they they you know wanted her to cast a white woman instead of a latina they wanted they felt like having a female protagonist was quote unappealing and unbelievable end quote um and so it was very difficult for her to do this she ended up finally getting some people to sign on find the financing uh the producers uh you know found some financing for a million dollars 
right before they were about to shoot this, the financer, the financier backed out. So the producer, Maggie Renzi, along with her partner, John Sales, ended up uh, funding the film themselves. And so um, so they put that million in. Independent Film Channel added 300000 toward the budget. And so that's how this film ended up getting funded. And that's probably why we have John Sales in a cameo as the as a teacher in one of her classes. Right. Um, it, it was uh, it was very difficult, and it's very frustrating to hear stories like that. Um, but it was great that you know, with their persistence, they were able to kind of get it made and get it out there. But um, yeah, just it speaks to that challenge. Oh, and then also trying to find the uh, the boxer, trying to find um, who is going to play Diana, and you know, she auditioned a whole bunch of people, but. Uh, so many of them were more uh, feminized and were uh, more polished. And so um, they that's how they ended up going with uh, Rodriguez because she uh, uh, which is funny because Kusama actually said her audition was was a disaster, but she ended up going with her anyway because she couldn't find, quote, anyone who could come close to her in physical power, end quote. Uh, that tracks the the interesting thing about uh, about that. What did you? I, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm asking this question because I feel like my eyes may have been tricking me because I don't feel like this movie is one that really highlights the physical transformation over time. But I I felt like I noticed a physical transformation over time. Is that something that you picked up? I feel like she always had the physical power in her, but she didn't have the training. And or the endurance. And so I think it's really more endurance training and learning how to do it. And so I think that's where the transformation comes in, because at the beginning, when she's hitting, it's not ever the right way. And over the course of the film, you see that she learns how to, you know, uh, how to you know, use her punches and how to move her feet and all the different things that she couldn't do in the beginning. And so that's, I think, where it comes in. And then the endurance just lasting. I just felt like I felt like they, you could, like they were removing clothes over time. Like in the beginning, she was wearing like a long sleeve shirt and a t shirt over it, and so you couldn't see what her body looked like underneath as well. And over over the course of the film, by the end, she's pretty stripped down, and you can see like she's she's tight, like her shoulders, her arms. Like there's definition that I felt like they were they were kind of illuminating over the course of the film to maybe trick us into a transformation because she's she's always strong. Well, and she hadn't been a boxer, so she actually did train for uh, five to six days a week for four months getting prepped for this. So yeah. I mean, she definitely learned how to do it, learned how to handle herself. So, yeah, she I'm sure she was completely fit by the time things got rolling here. Yeah, but that's the trick, right? Is like, how do you how do you demonstrate that transformation when your principal actor has already done the training? Like when you start shooting and and they already look great, right? You have to it's probably exactly it. what you just said. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, this one going back to the boxing, though, this is something else that I thought was interesting here is that sure. it was not one of those films where it's all about the KO, right? It's about the points. And that's something that you don't think about in boxing films too often, because so often the big films, it's about that KO when you get the person laying flat on the mat. And, you know, it's it's the big, you know, the hero's fist is in the air as they're announcing the the winner and all that sort of stuff. But what I loved about the the way that the boxing was portrayed here is it just felt really authentic. It's just it's about the hits. And you got to remember it's about you know getting those hits in so that you're getting those points so that you are racking them up and can still end up winning because it's probably a lot more common in the world of boxing to have wins with points rather than just a KO at the end, you know? Yeah, yeah, that part was really interesting too. I don't feel like I'd ever seen quite so much of a of a like uh, intentional demonstration of the line refs and their little counters in their hands. Like that was cool that was really cool well it speaks to like the again parts of the world of boxing that you just don't it's not as glamorous i guess so it's interesting to actually get that featured in here i, I enjoyed that yeah 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 me too me too yeah. all right well um any any last thoughts on this one no no i'm good all right well we will be right back but first The Next Drill is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Gvidden. 
Oriel Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds all the stats for the awards and numbers at d-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com, imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. How to do an award season. It did well for itself. 15 wins, 18 other nominations. Definitely a standout at Sundance, where it premiered. Kusama won uh, for uh, direction of a drama. And the film won. It actually tied the Grand Jury Prize for Dramatic Film with You Can Count on Me, another fantastic film. At Cannes, it went over to Cannes. It won the Award of the Youth uh, for a foreign film and the CICAE Award. We've talked about that before. The International Confederation of Art Cinemas. Kusama was nominated but lost to the film Jaime. And it also uh, was nominated for The Golden Camera, which, again, is the best first film, but lost to a tie between Jome and A Time for Drunken Horses, which sounds like an interesting film to check out. Yeah. Wow. At the Film Independent Spirit Awards, Rodriguez won for Best Debut Performance. Uh, Kusam was nominated for Best First Feature, but lost to You Can Count on Me. The National Board of Review, again, Rodriguez won Breakthrough Performance, and it also had a special recognition win for Excellence in Filmmaking. Last but not least, over at the Alma Awards, which are Latina filmmaking, uh, it was nominated for Outstanding Feature Film, but lost to Traffic, and it also was nominated for Outstanding Latino Cast in a Feature Film, also losing to Traffic. Zamani Baraye Masti Asba. Is that a time for Drunken Horses? It sure is. From writer-director Bahman Gobadi. You need to find a way to add that on the list. Young Iranian Kurdish siblings try to save the youngest of them who is seriously ill. That sounds like something I'd watch. But when, when do the horses get drunk? Well, there's a, there's a, I'm going to assume it's a soused horse right on the cover of the poster. <laughs> That's what a drunk horse looks like. It's just a regular horse. But, <laughs> oh, good. But okay. drunk, you just have to know. Yeah. Oh, well, how to do at the box office. Kusama, as I said, made her film for a million dollars or just under $1.5 in today's dollars. Honestly, I have no idea where that 300000 from IFC came in. I don't know if that ended up being part of the $1 million. Everywhere I see, it just says million-dollar budget, so who knows? The movie premiered at Sundance, as I said, where it got picked up by Screen Gems to the tune of $3 million. It started its limited release September 29th, 2000, opposite Remember the Titans, Beautiful, and Best in Show, where it opened on 28 screens and landed in 30th place. The following week, they added 225 more screens and it ended up in 18th place, but it never managed to do better than that. The film went on to earn $1.6 million domestically and just over 100000 internationally for a total gross of $2.5 million in today's dollars. That means the film landed with an adjusted profit per finish of $9,000. But not when Screen Gems takes into account the three million they paid for it. Perhaps that is why the film is so ridiculously hard to find today. Oh, well, that is the one thing I've taken away from this is I would love to see this movie get a nice actual release, you know, streaming or, you know, restoration. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it deserves it. I think a lot of people will really enjoy this film. I mean, I, I definitely did. I would watch it again. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. And, and uh, I'm glad that it is at least available to get through uh, our friends at the, the Seattle Video Place. What was it? Scarecrow Video. So I'm I'm excited to uh, to I'm glad to have seen it. Um, I, I didn't uh, love it as much as I guess I had hoped. Maybe my expectations were too high, but my goodness, did I ever adore uh, Michelle Rodriguez? So yeah, great star for her, great star for Kusama. Uh, it's definitely a film worth checking out. It is it's a really really good film. So I'm glad we added it to our list and looking forward to continu continuing forward. Uh, we will be right back for our readings. But speaking of continuing forward, here's the trailer for next week's movie, Catherine Hardwick's 2005 film, Lords of Dogtown. Oh, oh. Judgment Day, boys. Now get out there and surf, little grommets. We surf and we skate every day. Hey, 
Check these out. With these, you can do the same hard turns that you do on your surfboard. Wow. This wave breaks 24 hours a day, every day. And you know what, bros? We're gonna be the first to ride it. Yeah, surfing like a wave, man. Skip is putting together a skate team. There are going to be hundreds of skaters from all over the country, and we need to shut them down. Oh, nice socks, man. Here's our entry fees. Now, where's our trophies? Ah! Oh, my God. It's some type of aerial maneuver I've never seen before. Next up, Jay Adams riding for Zephyr Skateboards. Stacy Peralta. Tony Mad Dog Alba. It's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. To the boy kings. Where's the famous Tony Alba? I can make you a star. Wow, you're famous, sis. You guys gotta think bigger, man. I wanna make money. I wanna do it all right now. This is our time, bros. The boys are getting offers, man. This isn't about fame or money. Tell you put those kids in the magazines. They didn't care about either one. Well, they do now. We can't bail on Skip. We're Z-Boys. We're family. You need to keep pushing, man. Hey, Tony, it looks like it's going to be you or me, man. No, it's not. It's me. We're going to be on summer vacation for the next 20 years. All right, Andy. How do you uh, how do you handle Letterbox for this one? Pump, pumping heart, five bleeding stars. I'm going to land on three and a half and a heart. Um, yeah, three and a half. You know, that's a good zone. I, I there are a lot of favorites in the three and a half. Um, very, very. It's, I find three and a half just such a comfort zone. Easy to watch films. They may have issues, but I really just kind of um, totally you know go along with them so that's where i land three and a half and a heart well i think the problem is that you're you're a half star savage and if you were a purist like me you would be find that same comfort in just saying three stars just three it's just three stars so isn't that interesting that uh, i i think effectively we ended up in the same place uh with our reviews um you know, even though it sounds like I am uh, more bear than bull. You and your silly half star thing, like I'll, I'll never really understand it. But you know what? Here's what you need to do. You just need to stop doing five stars and you just need to go to 10. Just go to 10 and then I'll do the hard work on the other end. But then I'd be, so. then I'd be rating over on IMDb like a child. <laughs> why, why would I possibly do that? Oh, my. All right, everybody. Well, what did you think about Karen Kusama's girl fight? We want to know. Hop into the Show Talk channel on Discord, where we will be talking about it this week. And the movie ends. Our conversation begins. Letterbox giveth Andy. As Letterbox always doeth. Uh, yeah. It did it did pretty good. It did, indeed. Yeah, it was it was good. It was easy, it was just an easy pick. I'm gonna go first because yours is funnier. <laughs> okay, take it away. Cam a lot writes in with a four star review. Uh you can train, but you can't fight. Why not? You just can't. Twenty years ahead of its time and four years before Million Dollar Baby came Girl Fight, a gritty urban debut from director Karen Kasama and actress Michelle Rodriguez. I like this film for what it doesn't do. There's so many traps this narrative could fall into, and it does a nice job of sidestepping most of them, while at the same time delivering an engaging narrative. There's also some great directorial touches, despite the obvious lack of budget. Performances are solid, with Michelle Rodriguez grounding the movie, and I loved Jamie Torelli as her mentor. When you're not training, someone else is training to kick your ass. Is it Jamie or Jaime? (laughs) Probably Jaime. Yeah, no, it's Jaime. I misplaced the I. I just read it wrong. Yeah. Jaime, yeah. I'm sorry. I think we probably did that through the whole show. Our apologies. We did. Jaime. Our apologies to Jaime. We're, we're the worst. Well, I've got a three and a half by Russman who said, I'm pretty sure Michelle Rodriguez could be me up, even if I had three clones of myself on the side. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that goes for all of us. Thanks, Letterboxd. 
I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs> 